It's an odd-numbered year after a presidential election, and you know what that means. It's time for the melee for the St. Louis mayorship. And this isn't just any ordinary election. Since St. Louis Mayor Francis Slay is not running for an ultra-historic fifth term, a very, very large field has emerged to try to take his place. We're going to interview the candidates that want to lead St. Louis City into the next decade. And first on the list on this latest episode of Politically Speaking is Board of Aldermen President Louis Reed. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manis. That's Eric Reitens, Navy <laughs> SEALs running for governor. And I'm really, really glad to be on with you, Jason and Joe. I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. And welcome to the Politically Speaking podcast podcast. I am your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joe Manis is taking some well-deserved time off today. So as my special guest host, we have Rachel Lippman, reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. And returning to the show for the third time, but 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 as a mayoral candidate again, we have as our guest. Lewis Reed, president of the Board of Aldermen and candidate for mayor. So thank you for being the first in our series of mayoral interviews. Um, just as I said in the introduction, we are going to be interviewing most, if not all, of the Democratic candidates for mayor. This is a crazy, scrambled race to replace St. Louis Mayor Francis Slay. And we want the people of the city of St. Louis to get a sense of who these people are, um, what they believe in, and how they're going to stand out in a, a, a crowded field. So even though you've been on the show and on the first show, you told people a little bit about yourself. For people that don't know you, who is Lewis Reed? Why did he get into politics? And um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm, a, I'm originally from Joliet, Illinois, as, as you know, Jason, and, and you also, Rachel. Um, I ended up in St. Louis. I went to SIUE on a wrestling scholarship uh, and ended up in St. Louis um, where I married my wife, um, Mary Entrup, who was from Chesterfield. Uh, you know, we've had, we have two sons together, and, um, uh, you know, I became interested in, in politics or public office when I spent more time throughout the communities in the city of St. Louis and saw the conditions people were living under and wanted to really try to work to make a difference in people's lives. Um, you know, I've had an opportunity to um, serve in many roles. I used to be the head of wide area and local area networks for SSM health businesses across all of their hospitals across the U.S. Uh, for Edison Brothers Stores, I was the manager of data networks there. Um, I used to work for McBride and Son as an estimator because my background is in mathematics, computer science. Uh, and in the role with McBride and Son, I had an opportunity to get more involved in development and really, you know, begin to look at our communities in a different way, uh, where we, where you look at not just vacant and abandoned buildings as a problem, but as an opportunity 
to redevelop a neighborhood and a community and work to get people living in those homes and reestablish those neighborhoods. So how long after you ran in 2013 against the current incumbent, Mayor Slay, how long after he announced that he was not running again, did you start thinking about running for office? Or were you thinking about even taking him on again in 2017 if he'd run again? You know, uh, as you know, I've been president of the Board of Aldermen for 10 years. Uh, the, the the things that I really want to get to the bottom of and try to work on is like public safety, trying to do some things so that we can begin to drive our, our, you know, the crime rate down in the city of St. Louis in a real substantive manner. And you can't, a lot of those things you cannot do from this president of the Board of Aldermen role. So I had all, I've always been thinking about running again. I, uh, I, it was my assumption that he was not going to run again. So it's been in my mind to run even prior to uh, him deciding to step out. So, so you kind of had a sense he wasn't wasn't planning on running again. Yes, he, you know, part of what he said the last time he ran was he 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 wanted that to be his last term. But then, of course, once he got in, he said, "Okay, I I may run again, right?" Um, but I didn't I didn't feel that he would run again. It was already a historic fourth term. I guess yes. a fifth term would have been ultra historic. I, yeah. we've, we've talked about this before, but I think out of the candidates for mayor, with the exception of Jimmy Matthews, you're the only one I think that's run for mayor before. And sometimes people- Bill Haas has run for mayor before. Let's, let's remember that. Bill Haas has run for mayor uh, before I moved here. You know, one of the- rec- Possibly since before both of us were born. Who uh, knows? I, I, I don't know about that. One of the reoccurring themes on this show is sometimes we have candidates on that have lost a race before but have learned a lot and it's informed them in the race that they do subsequently going forward. I want to know, as you're running for, for mayor this time, and it's not a one-on-one matchup, it's, it's, it's a multi-candidate field, what, are, what lessons from 2013 – did you learn that you're, 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 you're changing up your strategy a little bit for 2017? Well, the cadence of, this, of the mayor's race in the city of St. Louis, because of the way it's situated, uh, you know, after the presidential election, then you have, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and everything else in between there. You have to really spend a lot of time uh, getting your infrastructure together and ready to hit the ground right after the first of the year for this really hard sprint to the finish line. Uh, but prior to that, you you do some voter contact, but you have to be careful about your spending prior to that because uh, you it can just get washed away in everything that's happening during that presidential election. So, uh, and then, you know, of course, directly after the presidential election, the last thing uh, the voters want to hear about is, you know, politics going into the holidays and after having, you know, a gazillion commercials ran, the mailboxes run over by literature and stuff. So uh, this time, I think that we have really structured everything, our campaign in a way that will yield big numbers. Uh, but it's also to be noted that we actually met our win number in the race against uh, the mayor the last time. 
you know, and, no and for those who aren't quite maybe as versed in, in some of the lingo there, the win number is what you think it would take to win in this field? or Yes, yes. The win number is what we would believe, what, you know, after you have all your data people look at it, your, your uh, you know, your pollsters and everybody look at it, they, they, they work with you to come up with a win number. And it's based on historic elections and everything that's happened in the past, uh, voter turnout, voter registration, weather, all kinds of things. So our win number, we actually met our win number and exceeded it by 1,000 votes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after exceeding it by 1,000 votes, it turned out w- since there wasn't a Republican primary, we ended up with about 5,000 Republicans coming over and voting in the Democratic primary. So instead of winning by 1,000 votes, we lost by four. We're going to talk more about the politics of this race near the tail end of the show, but I want to dive directly into issues because St. Louis has... <laughs> a myriad of, of issues when it relates to crime, uh, poverty, and, and city services. And we want the, the, the mayoral candidates to give some detailed views on that. So let's just talk about crime for a second, more than a second, actually. <laughs> I think this is always brought up in the heat of campaigns. Now with local control, I think there's also mayoral responsibility about how uh, the crime statistics and, and crime around the city um, transpires. What would be kind of your specific vision to making sure people in the city feel that public safety is all over the city, not just on, in certain wards, but also on the, the north side and parts of the south side that feel underserved? Well, the first thing, first thing to approach this issue in, you know, of public safety in our city, we have to really understand and and you know, shape our policies, procedures, budgeting, and everything based on how do we begin to get in front of the problem? Because right now, mainly what people look at, they say, okay, can we need more police officers on the street. You're, you're, you're way at the tail end of it, uh, of the problem. But to really begin to get in front of the problem, we're going to have to invest in our recreation centers. We're going to have to work uh, to have more comprehensive programs and services for our youth throughout the commu- throughout communities all across the city of St. Louis. Uh, major economic development throughout neighborhoods that have been long underserved. It will make a big difference. Working to create jobs and job readiness for people within our community, uh, within communities all across the city of St. Louis is is a major factor, and I think we need to make sure that that's addressed, uh, and a host of other things on on the front end of it. And then, of course, on the back end of it, when we talk about policing, we, we need to do a number of things. We need some pay parity with the county. Right. So that uh, so that we aren't a training ground for police officers that then they end up going to the county for more pay and, you know, easier work environment in terms of uh, in terms of the uh, the amount of of crime that they have to have to manage. Uh, But then also. Uh, we need to work to make sure that we have the right complement of officers on the streets, and then we're using them in the most effective manner. And uh, finally, we have to look at how we're measuring our police officers. Uh, you know, uh, when we, when we, if we want a an employee or a person that's working for us to operate differently, we have to begin to set different priorities and also measure them differently so they understand what the measurement is. If you win the mayor's race and you come into office, will you ask Chief Sam Dotson to stay on or will you ask for his resignation? 
You know, uh, you know, when when I look at some of the some of the challenges that we had that uh, that we faced uh, uh, already as a city, uh, and I, I, I look at uh, the crime rate, the the murder rate that's went up consistently over the last three years. You know, during the time that uh, the chief has been the chief uh, of the city of St. Louis, if you if we look at just that measure alone. And, uh, you know, in terms of job performance, you'd have to say that job performance hasn't been the best. Uh, now, are there other factors at play within the department or his ability to change things that he's wanted to change? I have no idea because we don't have insight to that. I don't have any more insight to that than you. Uh, so part of what we will have to do is understand what has happened there, right? Uh, and then, uh, you know, decide where to go from there. Um, I think that, um, uh, uh, you know, all other things being equal, if indeed it turns out the way, if it, if it turns out that the job performance is attached to the crime rate going up, like I would suspect or you would suspect, then uh, we would have to find something else for the chief to do. So I'm hearing I'm hearing a maybe in there that it would take some some review. You're not you want to get into the job first and see kind of what's going on. I, I think that I think I think that uh, uh, anybody going going into this and to, you know, understanding employment law and some of those things. I think we I think that I think that going into it, if you say, OK, I'm I'm a. I'm going to fire him no matter what. I think that that's a problem for the city. I think we end up in a lawsuit, and I think we lose. But if we say that if we're going to give it a thorough review and take a look and see, and if indeed his job performance has been substandard, then, then of course the city would need a new chief, right? Uh, I, think that that's the, I think that that's the prudent way to do it, and especially for me as a, mem- as a current member of the board of ENA. Take me through some of the economics of, of the, the plan that you've outlined, investing in the front end. Um, are we, we talking about using some of the money from this proposed sales tax increase that may be on the ballot in April? Um, how, how do you take limited city resources, which you know, being on the board that sets oh, yeah. the budget, and, and sort of direct it to where you think it needs to go? I think obviously some money from this uh, proposed tax increase could could help us, and also the other thing is starting uh, you know going into a year where we do zero based budgeting. We do zero based budgeting, and come back, and begin to define those. We first start by by you know uh, you know budgeting for those absolute necessities, right, and uh, set different priorities uh, where. It would allow us to use our current revenue in a more effective manner. Here's an example: we look at um, we look at um, you know w- within um, our our recreation departments, right? And we look at the disrepair of all of our rec centers, and what what benefits would we derive from greater investment in our rec centers and delaying maybe repairing a parking garage let's let's say for example we would we would end up impacting public safety in a more positive manner by investing in that rec center opposed to investing in a parking garage and every year those are the types of of uh, discussions that we've we've had
want to shift to um, economic development because one of the one of the uh, movements that's kind of trickled up to the board of aldermen um, that I wouldn't say it's the majority of board of aldermen, but a decent chunk is there's more skepticism of uh, uh, tax incentives, tiffs, tax abatements, and. I, I want to get your view on this because I'm of, of two minds here. One, I know the, the the budget is tight, and some of the money that may be used for these tax incentives are is, is money that's not going to the city or to city schools. But I, I also know that St. Saint, Saint Louis City is not operating in a bubble, and it's competing against places like Chesterfield or Maryland Heights, where companies can go and build on green space for arguably cheaper than here. So if you're mayor. What are you going to do philosophically about these tax incentives? Would you curb them? Would you change them? Or would you keep them the way they are? Well, well first, we have to understand uh, the the impact of various different tax incentives. Like, uh, uh, like, uh, and you know, I want to. I think we have to look at them in their totality. For example, if we issue a a a new sales tax, exactly what impact does that have on our economy? If you take just an elementary view of it, you may say, okay, if we increase it by 1%, then that's going to account for you know millions of dollars on the back end, and it's all good. But, but uh, as you said, Jason, we don't live in a bubble, right? Uh, so, so we have to be careful that we're not getting into a you know, we we don't have reg- regressive taxes, whether it's whether it's whether it's uh, sales tax or, or you know, any other types of, of taxes, property tax and stuff like that, that we would we would end up having imposed to, to you know, adjust or or uh, you know support our our budget needs. Um, but uh, beyond that, when we get to TIFs, I think that especially in the city of St. Louis, if you look if you look at what measures you need to take in order to uh, approve a TIF and exactly what the the ultimate impact of that TIF would be. I think there are a lot of places in the city of St. Louis where where TIFs are appropriate and we need to use them. Uh, you know, TIFs were used to build, uh, rebuild Central West End. They were used to rebuild Washington Avenue. They were used in, in Soulard, the historic tax credits and all these things. So as we begin to address the business districts and the places in North St. Louis, certainly we need to have all of those tools uh, available to us. That was going to be my question, though. It seems like a lot of these tax incentives are being kind of directed towards the central corridor, to some extent the south side. They're not really... I, I'm not saying they're not being used at all, like in the north side or the southeast side, but it doesn't seem like they're being used as much. And those happen to be the places with the most economic need. So am I am I wrong on that perception? Or? No, no, you're not wrong on that, that perception. What has to happen is that when developers uh, come and they show up in the mayor's office and they say, OK, you know, I want to build a new grocery store. But to build this new grocery store, this, these are, this is the incentive package I'll need. And this is the area I'm looking to build in. I think that a negotiations need to take place at that point, and uh, the mayor's office needs to point them to areas that have been historically underserved, right, and begin to attach the incentives where they would have the greatest impact for the taxpayers of the city of St. Louis, right, because it's real money. Uh, you know, although TIFs are... Uh, uh, essentially allow the developer 
or the business to bet on their own success because if if it does not you know generate a tax increase far and beyond the current taxes that are coming off of the land property or area that they're building in then then they don't receive the tax benefit because, of course, it didn't exceed that that base amount. I'm wondering if it's become, do you get this impression that it's sort of become developers expect that they're going to get these TIFs now, that it's, I, I it's think, you know, every project is now blighted so you can get a TIF and et cetera? And, and what power would you have as mayor to possibly kind of curb that and say, look, you know what, you're not getting an incentive package for this. Rachel, you, I mean, you t- hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, everybody shows up now and they automatically assume that, okay, I want a TIF, I'm going to get a TIF, I need a TIF, right? But what is the basic test you have to be able to pass to get a TIF? But for, but for. Mm-hmm. But for the TIF, this project is impossible. What does that mean? That means that the bank will not l- lend any more money. You have no more personal money or whatever you can put into the project. And if another dime is put into the project, it will be upside down and it will fail, right? Uh, so we need to establish a policy and establish a a, a, a a way to measure that moving forward universally across across these TIFs. And currently, I don't, I'm not sure that that's actually being measured to the level it should be. And so as mayor then, do you put you that policy forward absolutely. to the board? Okay. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask you, we've talked about city-county merger before, and from mm-hmm. what you've said to me, you feel like there's a whole bunch of other issues before we even talk about it. And you have to do some pre-work before you enter the marriage. One of the things, though, that I foresee happening is that Rexingfeld, who is very much for some sort of merger, may fund a statewide initiative that basically bypasses the idea of the city and the county are the only people to decide. If that occurs during your mayorship, will you politically oppose that move? Because Both Mayor Slay and former executive Charlie Dooley have always promised that if there's any sort of merger, it would be solely a city and a county decision. What would happen if it was taken statewide in your mayor? Well, first off, I think that uh, I think that the the people that are most impacted by it should make that decision. It would be the people of the city of St. Louis and the people in St. Louis County. Now, that being said, the challenge with a city county merger is the political capital it takes to get there. And uh, I think that it is a, I think we're almost living in fairy tale land if we really believe that the county would muster the political capital that it would need to merge with the city. Because, because you know, obviously when, you, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the, 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 when the the holdup for city county murder, merger for the the people who live in the county is when they look at our data and our statistics and say, well, look, St. Louis, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, we we don't want to you know, take on another municipality. I mean, there's 90 municipalities in the county. And there's and different, there's different proposals, too. One mm-hmm. is just the city joins as a municipality. There's been this idea pushed by the Post-Dispatch that we'd have one giant city-county city. Huge, city, government. Which yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even going I'm not, to I'm not be candid here. I don't see that ever yeah, happening because I, I don't see Chesterfield and Wildwood and Webster Groves yeah, yeah, yeah. willfully dissolving on their own. Uh, exactly. But, uh, but, 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 but this is, is going to be a discussion during the yeah. race. I mean, can you just kind of also just explain your general philosophy towards this issue beyond my specific question I just mentioned before? 
my, my philosophy on this issue is that at the end of it all, whether we have a city-county merger or, or not, St. Louis City, our problems, our challenges are our problems, our challenges. We are going to have to address those directly, whether it's public safety, whether it's education, whether it's economic empowerment and growth. We're going to have to address those directly, whether we're part of a city or county. But in the interim, whether we do a city-county merger or not, what we can begin to do today is enter into cooperative agreements on all of those major line items and departments so to begin to derive the benefits of a city-county merger today, right? We can begin to do those things. And, uh, and we need to do those things in a very public manner. So that, so that people, at the end of it, they can look back and say, guess what? The world did not end because we came together and had a unified, like, unified police academies across city and county. That we uh, were able to merge some of our emergency services, right? Yeah. Ahead, I, don't sorry, spe- I don't want to spend more than one minute on this question, but it is going to be on the April ballot. Do you support or oppose the bid to basically fold the recorder of deeds office into the assessor's office for body cameras? It, that, that was it, I think that that was a complete farce. I think that uh, the the people who put that forward should be ashamed of themselves. The way they uh, they misrepresented that ballot initiative to the people who signed it was uh, it was just outrageous. Uh, you know, you look at the budget of the recorder of deeds office, uh, and, and and whether you can cut two million dollars out of the recorders of a de- recorder of deeds office to to fund body cameras without all but wiping that office out. It's uh, it's like it's crazy. So you're a no on that. I'm an absolute no on it. Mayor's office doesn't have a whole lot of control ed- over education, but we just heard the news that the St. Louis Public Schools has regained full accreditation for the first time since the early 2000s. How would you, in the role that you would have as mayor, kind of continue to work with the school district to ensure that it doesn't lose the ground it's regained? With, you know, with the caveat that the mayor does not have direct control over the St. Louis Public Schools. Well, even though the mayor doesn't have direct control over the the public schools, with the SAB board, the mayor had an appointee, I had an appointee, and the governor had an appointee. Uh, So what I did with my appointee, I appointed uh, Richard Gaines, who who really got out front and led that charge to reestablish accreditation of the school system. And he did it by uh, working together, working in conjunction with the school system and and all the, of the other uh, SAB members, and the also the elected board, right? And making sure that every, you know, as, mi- as much as possible, everybody was at the table and their opinions were factored into the course and direction they were going. And uh, uh, made, made, uh, made um, the advancement in the ultimate education of our kids number one, right? Everything else had to come after that. Uh, and we've seen the success of that. I think that, um, number one, as mayor, we have to, what, whoever the mayor is, and, and uh, you know, certainly I'm working to make sure that's me. <laughs> uh, as you would expect as if you're a candidate. I would expect, right? Uh, the mayor has to show some confidence in the school system, right? So, so if, we, if, if we focus purely on building charter schools, 
as a replacement for public schools, I think that that's a mistake. Because people, no matter whether you have a charter school or, or a Catholic school or private school, people still view that as, a, as an alternative school choice. What you need to have in every major metropolitan area is a high-quality, high-performing public school system. Everything else is layered on top of that. So once you, once you establish that public school system, people will then begin to make that choice based on that public school system because guess what? If the charter school doesn't work for them or the private school or the Catholic school, they can still have a fallback position and go to the public school. Well, I think that's what's at issue. I'm not sure what type of school you sent your kids to, mm-hmm. but... I mean, can you can you answer that question yeah. first? All right, we they went to the public schools and the charter okay. schools. Okay, so my, the reason I'm bringing this up is someone like me who has a three year old son is going to have to make this choice Absolutely. in the coming years. Not not just public school or charter, but there's also parochial or private mm-hmm. schools. Do you think that the accreditation uh, increase will maybe incentivize you know middle and upper class people like me? to maybe send their kids to, to public schools instead of private uh, schools. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It, we, we absolutely, everybody in the city of St. Louis, we need to focus on making sure that we have the best public school system anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a basis for competing on, on for everything else, development, uh, you know, new businesses locating to the city of St. Louis, residents choosing to stay in the city of St. Louis versus moving to one of the surrounding areas. The other important piece is that we live here in the 60-plus the square mile region, right, uh, square, square mile city. You can get to another school system in fairly short order. Mm-hmm. This is not like Chicago, L.A., New York, where you have to drive an hour or two hours before you get to another uh, school mm-hmm. system. Because other school systems are so closely, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, in such close proximity to the city of St. Louis, it makes it even more important that we have a top quality school system here and uh, I can can't commend the superintendent, uh, the SAB board, the administrators, and everybody enough for what they've done to put that school system forward. You know, one of the things that was really controversial in 2015 was the Rams stadium situation, which we were right in the middle of, and it caused a lot of harsh words and rhetoric and and blow back your way because you ended up voting for it. I'm just curious because the issue of stadium funding is going to be ripe because you're sponsoring the bill for Scott Trade. There's still the the need to upgrade the convention center, and this MLS thing is kind of in the background. How is how is the the, the Rams fallout and just you know your your votes for building publicly funding stadiums going to affect this race? You know um, the. The Jason, you, you don't you don't know me very well. You you either Rachel, but you know my family and other people tell you I don't watch football, right? <laughs> you know I, I, I know I you reasoned the law. I did not know that. But yeah, continue. I don't watch football. You know, so in my in my spare time, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not watching sports on on TV. I you, you know, I can't tell you about anything. Yeah. But here's the thing, though. Um, uh, the Ram Stadium for me was more than just the issue of football in the city of St. Louis. 
Uh, at the time we were looking at the Ram Stadium deal, we had just buried over 170-some people in the city of St. Louis that were murdered in our city. Uh, we had, you know, uh, unemployment north of Del Mar approaching 20-plus percent, and then you come south of Del Mar and it drops to, you know, 6.5 percent. And then uh, if you look at those affected neighborhoods across our city, those most affected neighborhoods across our city, they had all those same things at play. They had, uh, you know, you know, the very high unemployment. Uh, they had, you know, lack of development and investment in their neighborhoods and communities. These things, we have to begin to shape our policies and our development. Our, when we look at these developments, we have to begin to break new ground to create opportunities for people all across the city of St. Louis and to put our tax dollars to work in a much different manner. So for me, when I looked at the Ram Stadium deal, I said, this is an opportunity to establish some new goals moving forward so that when pe- when we uh, look at other deals and other bills in the future, including NGA, mm-hmm. Now we have an overlay to put on NGA that can be transformative for the people of the city of St. Louis. This is part of this is part of how we begin to get in, in front of the public safety issue, opposed to opposed to just doing what we've all, always done and expecting something different. So the way we get in front of it is by redoing and reshaping and putting different incentive packages and stuff and and additional requirements on the use of of uh, tax money. And if you look at what we did with that Ram Stadium deal, if you look at minority and women-owned business participation in, in, in public fund, publicly funded projects in the city of St. Louis, it was, it was, it was embarrassingly, embarrassingly below where we should be as a city. Right. Mm-hmm. If you look at our workforce development uh, programs and the and and how how we were putting people to work and getting uh, people across the city new job skills. We were we were we were way behind where we needed to be. Mm-hmm. So part of what we put in place in in on that Ram Stadium deal, whether the deal went or not, mm-hmm. it was important to establish that new standard moving forward on a high profile project like that so that we can move it to the next one. And that's how we got to that's how we that's how we that's how we were able to move those incentive packages and those new requirements over to NGA. Some of these things cannot be answered in a soundbite. Understood. But they're, but they're real-life they're, they're real issues and real-life things that begin to change the lives of people across the city of St. Louis. And whether a person or a, whether your neighborhood is underdeveloped or not, whether the unemployment is uh, 6% or 25% in your neighborhood or not, if you live in that whole in that area, you will be impacted by it one way, shape, or form. So that's why it's important that we open up opportunities for everyone across the city of St. Louis and make sure that everyone has a seat at the table. So going back to the whole, you know, how this is affecting the dynamics of the board with four of you running for mayor, can can you talk about that a little bit? Have you have you sensed it kind of change? Does it make, you know, your job as sort of the presiding officer and the chief cat herder any any <laughs> more different, any more difficult? How How is that sort of like playing out on on the floor? Because I, I mean, I can tell you my joke is I wonder how long, how much this mayor's race is going to lengthen Board of Aldermen meetings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 Rachel, I, I'm 
I'm sure at some level it does, but, you know, I, I was a wrestler from the time I was in fifth grade all the way up through college. And then, uh, you know, uh, having to run against the, the mayor and then having to go to monthly E&A meetings and work with them on commission meetings and stuff, that, they, they, that really doesn't uh, bother me a lot because, um, you know, um, you know, because I think that it's important that the taxpayers have choices, right? And um, I have not seen it impact legislation as much uh, thus far. And, uh, you know, hopefully it will not. And I'll, I'll, you know, I will, you know, certainly encourage uh, the other people that are running for office to remain focused on the issue. Because when you begin to focus on just the person right behind the issue, I think that therein lies the problem. You look at, for example, the thing we just spoke about, Mm -hmm. stadium deal. The biggest flack I took on the stadium deal was people said, <clears throat> how could you support uh, the Ram Stadium when that was a thing that the, the mayor wanted, right? You have to be, you have to look beyond that. Right now, Congress, the House and the Senate, they remain in deadlock because they focus, they're focused on who's carrying it opposed to whether the thing that's being, carrying, being carried is good for the rest. And this will be the last question because I know you got to go, but I'm going to wrap a lot of things into this question. So there are basically five main candidates. You, I think, have maybe the, the second most money. You certainly have a lot of name recognition. You have an organization. You, you know how to run for mayor. But, I mean, I have to bring this up. You know, the racial dynamics are going to be at play. There's four African-American candidates and one major white candidate. I know that in your career you've tried to be a a person that tries to win everywhere. And I think you have to do that in that race, in this particular race. But how is the fact that the the black vote may be split in a bunch of ways and Lida Cruson may get the majority of the the largely white South side going to affect how you maneuver in this, this race? Well, uh, for me, we're taking our message out across the city to every nook and cranny, every, you know, everywhere there's three people gathered, <laughs> we want to be there with our messaging. And I think that's the way you have to approach it. Um, the next mayor of the city will have to lead, will have to lead and be able to communicate and inspire people of all backgrounds, ages, races, eth- races, and you know, and ethnicities, and I think that that's that's uh, you know extremely important. Uh, you know, as a city, we we'll, we are a very diverse city, but we rarely embrace it the way we should embrace it, and hold it up as a positive. And we have an opportunity to do that, you know. And you know, I'm African American. My wife is white, and and uh, you know, uh, my son's girlfriend's Hispanic, right? So, so, but that's the way I grew up, right? I, from the time I was a sophomore in high school, I lived with a Hispanic family, right? So, you know, I think that, you know, I don't know any other way to communicate except for to communicate to the person. And I, I want to make sure to get this in there too. Absolutely. Uh, we as people, we fear things that we don't know and we don't understand, right? So, but to get past that, it's important that communication is always open and honest and direct, right? And that's how we begin to move past that. So, so our campaign to move past the, the racial barrier, the, the, the fear of the unknown, 
we have to be open, honest, and direct and communicate, communicate, communicate. And that's what begins to break it down because then people will make a judgment based on some factors other than the superficial things. Well, we appreciate your time. I know that you're a very busy mayoral candidate. So the fact that you spent almost 40 minutes talking to us, we are very appreciative. Absolutely. Thank you. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Rachel on Twitter at... At R. Lipman, two P's and two N's. And beyond just finding your, your, your tricked out RV, which is parked in front of our, our studio. How could people find out more about your campaign? Well, our offices are located in the Regents Bank building at Jefferson and Chippewa, and, and that's at 3803 uh, Chippewa, excuse me, sorry, but 3803 South Broadway. Uh, and um, uh, uh, you can reach us at 314-900-2002. Again, that's 314-900-2002 or our website at lewisreed.com. And, and find your RV. Or find our RV. If you see the RV, you know, wave us down, flag us down, because we have all kinds of stuff in the RV. For and people. you're on Twitter at? <laughs> at Twitter at, at Pres Reed. P-R-E-S Reed. Yeah. Until next time, so long.